Uh, if you missed last week, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Neil gave a, a great message about mission. And, and specifically what Pastor Neil did is he, is he took our mission statement as the Edge Church and he walked us through that. And so, so I want to just put that back up uh, for a minute this morning, our mission statement, and just look at this again. This is our mission statement as the Edge Church. And it says, we exist to make disciples who live for Jesus, who love one another, and who tell the world. So, so Pastor Neil talked about this last week. This for us as a church is our why. This is why the Edge Church. Why the Edge Church? To make disciples. That's why the Edge Church. To make disciples. To point every single person to the love, grace, and truth of Jesus Christ and his fullness for their lives. That, that, that's, our, that's our mission as a people. To be a reflection of who he is. Uh, to walk in his ways to be submitted to his lordship, to be also a people who, who love one another, to be a, a people who love like Jesus loves us, to be a people then who, who, who pray for one another, who serve one another, who, who bless one another, who encourage one another, who contend for one another, who do what Jesus said. He said, listen, that if you love me, he, he said, in the same way that I have loved you, you must also love one another. And by this, all the world will know that you're my disciples. And so our love for one another is such a part of this mission to make disciples, but we're also then a people who tell the world, that we have a gospel proclamation to make to the world with our words and our works, the good news of Jesus Christ. You with me? Okay, so, so, so this is our mission. This is our why. Uh, uh, this morning, I want to talk with you about vision. Uh, and ultimately, at the end, then, I want to talk to you about our vision for this church, our vision for the Edge Church as we're here in 2020 and even beyond. And so uh, if you would and you're able, would you stand with me? Uh, I want to pray for us. I want to invite you to pray. Uh, and then we're going to jump into seeing what God has to speak to us this morning. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this time. God, thank you for just your love and your goodness. God, thank you for your faithfulness and your grace, and your mercy that's new every morning. God, thank you that as we're here and we gather in this place, Lord, that you gather with us. God, that you are present right here, right now in this moment. God, thank you for your word that is true. God, thank you that you are a God who's not silent, but that you are a God who speaks. And God, I pray that this morning, that for every single one of us here in this room, God, that we would hear from you today. God, that we would hear you speak to us, to our hearts. Lord, would you just take a minute right where you are? Would you just invite the Lord to speak to you this morning? Just tell him, God, I want to hear from you today. God, would you speak to my heart today? God, we need to hear from you. God, it's you and, and it's your word that changes and transforms us. God, it's your word, Lord, that breathes life in us. God, I pray that this morning that you would speak by your word, that you, Holy Spirit, would minister in every single heart. God, that, that we'd have ears to hear you and hearts to receive you. God, thank you that it's not a mistake we're here in this room right now. God, you planned for us to be here. You, you prepared it for us to be here. God, I pray that we would be available to you. Lord, come and have your way. Bless you this morning. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Man, you can have a seat. 
So we're talking about vision this morning, and, and I want to just start with this simple truth for you, okay? Um, and it's this, God has a vision for our world. You believe that? Which is to say that God has a, God has a purpose, and God has a plan, and God has a goal. God has a vision for our world. But not only does God have a vision for our world, God has a vision for the church, and, and for his people, for his sons and daughters. And, and not only does God have a vision for the church, but God has a vision for this church. God, God has a plan and a purpose for, for what he intends for us to be and what he intends for us to do. And, and so if you're here because God called you here, right, then, then God has called you to the vision and the purpose that he's called us to. And not only does God have a vision for the church, but God also has a vision for your life. You believe that? Does anybody believe that this morning? God has a vision for your life? Okay. Now, now, now when we tend to think about this word vision, most of us think about seeing, right? We ascribe vision to seeing. And I'm not going to lie. There's always been a little bit of a part of me that's like, as somebody who wears glasses, that's like, man, it'd be great to give a message on vision. You know what I mean? Like, because people with glasses, you, you can use your glasses to make an emphasis when you talk. You know what I'm saying? So, so I could talk about, be like, man, what God wants you to see. You know what I'm saying? Right now. And I'm just kidding. But, um, but, but what, what, what people who wear glasses uh, uh, understand, uh, we understand that your ability to see clearly is contingent upon you having the right lens to look through. Right? So, so, so in order for you to, to see rightly, you need the right lens. And if your lenses aren't right, you can't see clearly. Anybody ever had the wrong lenses who wears glasses? It's a train wreck, right? Yeah. You, you know, like, like I, 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 there's some things I don't see all too well without my glasses. But if you ever have like bad glasses or they're all smudgy or whatever, like your ability to see things clearly is all off, right? Uh, something else that that, that people uh, about glasses, who wear glasses understand why I love this sort of glasses analogy is because people who wear glasses understand that in order for you to have this clear vision and the right lenses, you need someone outside of your li- yourself to provide them to you, right? So, so like you can't, you, you can't just make yourself have the right lens. You actually need somebody who knows the lens to be looking through. And this is true for us spiritually. For, for us, it is impossible for us to have clear vision apart from God revealing that to us. And apart from the work of God giving us an ability to see. Now, now vision is not sight. Okay, sight is something that, that you see through your eyes. Vision is something you see through the Spirit. Vision is what you are able to see through the Spirit, even when everything that you're looking at through your eyes does not look like that thing. Vision, according to God's Word then, is essential. It's essential for our life individually, and it's essential for our life collectively as the church. Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says it like this. It says that without vision, people perish. Without vision, People perish. Now, now, when I read that, I don't know how that hits you, but when I read that statement, I go, whoa, whoa, without vision, people perish. That sort of sounds important then. 
And, and so ultimately, well, if we reverse engineered this a little bit, right, what we could say then is that with vision then, people live, people thrive, people grow, right? People prosper. Vision is essential because without vision, people perish. Notice what it also doesn't say, though. It, it, it doesn't say that without money. It doesn't say without status. It doesn't say without a particular kind of gifting, right? People perish. It says without vision. Because, because listen, you, you can have all of the best tools, but, but if you don't have a clue about what it is you're building, those tools aren't going to do you a whole lot of good. Vision is essential for our thriving because vision gives you Clarity. See, 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 for many of us, uh, uh, what happens is that, that, that our problem is not that, we, that, that there's nothing for us to do, right? It, like, if anything, there's, there's so many things for us to do. The possibilities for us are endless. And for many of us, then we just simply try to do everything ultimately to our own demise, right? E either that or we become so paralyzed by all of the things that are available that we just opt to do nothing because it's way less stressful, Right? And because it's easier, because ultimately we just don't want to make a bad or a wrong choice. Anybody ever been there? How many of you have found that going to the grocery store to shop for food is a whole lot easier than when you're not just buying food to fill the house, but you're like looking for something specific? Right? Like when I go to the grocery store because I'm making spaghetti, that's easier than when I'm just going to the grocery store to buy food. You know, so, so again, if I'm going to the grocery store to buy spaghetti, I have a goal, I have a purpose, I have a plan. I don't get lost in the shuffle of all the other things. I don't know about anybody else. I actually like grocery shopping. I like food, you know? So, so like, I kind of, like, I get distracted when I go down. I get distracted by the deals, and I get distracted by the food. I'll be walking, or, or if I'm just going for food, I'm there all day. You know, like, cause I'm just sort of, I, I like come back, you know, somebody, I'm listening to somebody in the aisle. They're like, man, did you see that deal on meat today? I was like, whoa, you know, like, like what, what, what's going on over here? It's like, I wasn't even going to buy meat, but I am right now, you know, because, because I just love it. But, but if I'm going to the store, the grocery store, because I'm going to buy spaghetti, there are things I'm going to walk past. There are things I'm not going to pick. There are things that I'm not giving my time and energy and attention to because I know what I'm after. Are you with me? Vision gives you clarity. It gives you focus. Vision also serves then as a bridge between the present and the future. How many of you know that when you know where you're going to, it, it, it helps you to not only be more focused, but, but it also helps you to endure a little bit. It helps you to endure through some of the challenges along the way because ultimately you know that there is a purpose in that pain in your effort. Like if you had a purpose and a vision to be fit and you went to the gym one time and that one time was supposed to inform you about everything, you would never go back, right? Because you go and that just hurts. And you're like, nope. Not doing that, but the reason you'll push through it is have a vision, and there's a vision, and that vision is worth the pain and the process. 
There's this old story a teacher uh, would tell who wanted to communicate uh, this with their class. And he talked about three uh, bricklayers who were on a wall. And, and his story goes that, that, that there's a person who, who walks up to the first bricklayer and, and says to them, hey, what, what is it that you're doing here? And, and the bricklayer sort of sarcastically is like, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm laying bricks. And so that person, they go to the second person and, and they ask them the same question and they, and, and they say, well, what is it that you're doing on this wall? They're like, man, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm, I'm building a wall. And, and they go to the third person and they, they ask that bricklayer, well, what is it that you're doing? He says, oh, I'm building a great cathedral unto God for his glory that people can gather in and worship him. And the teacher asked then, which one of them do you think will work the hardest, endure the most, and give their best? See, vision empowers us to make focused choices, right? To give of ourselves fully and to endure hardship along the way because we're able to see the bigger picture. And we know where we're headed, but without vision, then we tend to simply just take the path of least resistance to, to avoid discomfort because we can't see any purpose for the hardship or pain or struggle in our life, apart from a vision that would lie beyond it. Now, in other translations of Proverbs 29, 18, it says that without vision, people cast off restraint. Okay, so, so that's to say like, like people just get off course. We just start to run wild. We, we're all over the map. Okay, that like we, we drive in the wrong lane, we move in wrong directions. Another way of you could say that is that without vision, people stop caring. I don't care. Anyway, there's, no, there's no real purpose for that. This is why for some people, maybe some of you have experienced in this room, that, that for some of you, when you first got married, it's, not, it's a lot different now than it was then. And part of the reason why it's so different now than it was then is because you had a vision then. You, you had a vision to be married. You know what I'm saying? And, and so like while you were dating and while you were engaged, you were super intentional about some things. There were some things that you're like, I'm gonna marry her, you know? And, and so, so there were things that you were doing towards that end because you had this vision. So you were saving some money. You were working that extra job, right? Like there were things that you were planning for. You would send that, that person some little notes and do different things because you just wanted to build that intimacy and grow closer to be uh, with them because there was this vision that you had to marry them. But then you reached that and you got married and you never revisioned. This isn't a marriage sermon, okay? Um, this isn't a counseling session. This one's just for free, okay? Um, the, the reason, though, I'll say that for a lot of relationships, a lot of marriages, why, why they struggle so much, why so many fail and end today is because there's no vision. And, and where there is no vision, people what? Perish. They get off course. They stop caring. If you want to have a relationship that's alive and thriving, then it better have vision. Vision is essential for our life in God and our life together as his people. Uh, if we're going to thrive, if we're going to run into his purposes for us. And so what I want to do is I want to give you uh, a four uh, key elements, four dynamics to vision uh, that I hope give you some perspective, help you understand uh, vision a little bit more clearly. And here's the first one. You can write this down. If you got your notes, you can uh, take notes. Uh, here's the first one uh, is this vision needs a vessel. Vision needs 
a vessel. There's a movie that I loved as a kid um, that I still love. Actually, I watched it with my son just recently. Maybe that dates me a, a, a little bit. It'll either make you uh, question me as a pastor um, and my choices in film or, or just be odd that I could take and pull some spiritual out of anything. You know what I'm saying? But, um, but, but this movie that I'm, that I'm talking about is a movie uh, called The Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, if you're not, th- this was a movie about a kid's hockey team and these kids were awful. Okay, like these kids were, were terrible, but, but then they got themselves a coach who had a vision. And, and this coach had a vision, and so he began to work with them on some things, and he had a vision for this play that they would run. Does anybody remember what that play was called? The, the fly, yeah, you guys seen it. The, 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 the flying V, you didn't know that was like a Holy Spirit moment in cinematography, right? But like, but, but. But God was speaking in that, right? So they, they would run this play. And, and so, so I got this clip that I want to show you. And this is um, the Mighty Ducks. And this is them in, their, in the championship game. And, and the coach is about to call the play. Can we show that clip? A- anybody who ever even like played roller hockey wanted to do the flying V, you know? It's just that good. So, uh, but anyway, why, why, why do I bring up this scene? Uh, uh, right? if, if you noticed here that, that it was the coach who called the play, right? The coach is the visionary, but, but they would never happen without all of the players doing their part, right? That, that vision needed vessels in order for it to come to fruition and for there to be victory. And the same is true when it comes to vision for us, that, that, that the coach obviously is God. Sometimes the thing that messes up our life is we think we're the coach, right? Now, newsflash, you're not the coach. Um, if, if you want to make a train wreck of life, be the coach. Uh, God, God is the, the coach and, and, and God is looking for willing vessels, right? It, it, Romans chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, when it talks about us, it speaks about us as vessels. Now, now a vessel is a container first. Okay, so, so if you think about a cup or you think about a bowl or something like that, right? A, a vessel is meant to carry something. And that vessel then, something that something is also meant to be poured out from it. You and I were made to contain God. And you and I were made to contain his vision and his purpose in us. And for that to be poured out from our lives. So I wonder sometimes though, that if the reason for us that we're not able to hold, that if God has a vision for us, we wouldn't even be able to hold it because our life is just so, much, so filled with our own. You know what I'm saying? With our own vision, with our own way, with our own making. But like if we're just not spending our lives in the pursuit of all the things we want and none of the things maybe that God is saying, hey, this is what I have for you. And so I'm, so I'm chasing after a vision of my own making rather than a vision that God has for my life. It, one of the questions even for us, I think that's fair to ask is, do I even want God's vision for me? You know, like, like I sort of think that's a thing that, that we sort of automatically would say, oh yeah, of course I do, but do I really? Do, do, I, do I really want, do we as the church, do we really want God's vision? Or, or am I actually just good? You know, like God, I got this. 
I love the story of Samuel in the Bible because Samuel is just this boy and he's living in the temple with the high priest Eli. And God begins to call out to Samuel during the night. Okay, And so Samuel would respond. He'd wake up and he'd say, here I am. Only Samuel didn't realize that who was calling him was God. He thought it was Eli. So he'd run and be like, yeah, Eli, what's up? What do you need? And Eli's like, I didn't call you. And then it happens again, and, and Samuel does the same thing. And finally, Eli realizes that it's God who is calling Samuel. And so he says to him, he says, listen, the next time you hear that, just answer and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's what Samuel does. And I love this story because this story serves as a reminder to us that God is calling out to everybody. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. God is calling out that, and God has a vision. God wants to speak to you. God wants to direct you. God wants to use you. It's not a question of whether or not God is speaking. It's a question of whether or not we are listening and available to him. Samuel responds and God uses him. And and, and Samuel, if you know his story, he becomes one of the great priests and prophets and leaders of the people of God because God had a vision And Samuel was a willing vessel. Vision needs a vessel. Will you be a willing vessel for God's vision? Here's the second thing. You can write this down. Second, vision must be visible. Vision must be visible. A vision cannot only exist somewhere in here. Okay? Somewhere in here. A vision has to also be out here. Okay, a vision must not just live in your mind, but also in your practice. It's not vision if it, has, if it doesn't move from invisible to visible. L- let me show you this from the book of Habakkuk. Okay, some, some of you just learned there's a book in the Bible called Habakkuk. Okay, um, but, but there is. It's in the Old Testament. Habakkuk was a prophet of the people of God. In Habakkuk uh, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, he says this. He says, then the Lord answered me. And said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. When God, when God gives you a vision, write that down. When God gives you a vision, make it visible, make it plain so that you know it and that you remember what it said, that you know what it is that you're running after. One of the regular invitations of God to his people throughout all of scripture is to remember. This this is why they would build Ebenezer's back in these monuments. This is why the festivals, this is why communion, okay? This is why, why God gave us this very book, okay? So that we would remember. Because God had things he wants to say. And guess what? God put it down. <laughs> he thought it was important. The, the other thing that God knows about us is that we forget. This is one of the reasons why you guys hear me say a lot, like you should have a journal. You should get yourself a notebook or something, right? Because ultimately, like if you don't write it down, I know you think you'll remember I know you think you're going to hold on to it, but, but man, we are so good at forgetting. You're better at forgetting than you think you are, okay? And you could hold on to it. God has a vision. There's things he's speaking, and if you don't write it down, you're not going to remember it, and likely you're going to lose it. The other thing you've got to know is that there is a real enemy for your life who does not want the purpose of God to come to fruition in your life. There's a real enemy who does not want the purpose and plan of God to come to fruition in our life as the church. Are you with me? 
Okay, so, so what you can trust also is that, that, that if God's going to give you a word, the enemy wants to come steal that word. He's going to try to get you distracted. He's going to try to get you confused. He's going to try to get you to question whether or not God said anything to you at all or if that was all just in your imagination somewhere, right, so that you doubt. He'll do whatever he has to do to keep you from running in God's vision and his purpose for your life. But if you write that down, if you have that, you can, you can pray into that. You can remember that. You can check that. You can invite others to pray with you into that. You can start to move in its direction and it will help you to stay the course even when what you are seeing isn't looking like what God said. Are you with me? Because I don't know if you've ever had a vision for something, but, but I can tell you that of all the things in my life, all the very best things, there are moments in that journey where what I am seeing looks nothing like what I believe God said about it. And if I didn't know, if I didn't have that to hold on to, that might have been the thing that took me out of that. Remember that sight is a perspective. But vision is God's reality. Okay? The only way that we'll ever run into the fullness of God for our lives is when we allow his reality to have more influence in our life than our own perspective. Write down what God's saying. Write down, here's the other thing about vision. It doesn't have to make sense to everybody. Like sometimes like God will speak something, say something, and you're like, man, I need to make this make better sense. <laughs> right? It, a vision for your life doesn't have to match the stat, current status of your bank account. A, a vision for your life uh, doesn't have to line up with all of your understanding of things. That's not your job, right? You, uh, your job is to take God at his word. Your job is to believe him by faith. To put down what he's speaking and hold on to it. A vision must be visible. Here's the third one. You can write this down. A, a vision must be vast. I'm going all V's. I told Neil yesterday. I'm going, I'm going Baptist this morning. So uh, a, a vision must be vast, okay? A vision has got to be bigger than you, all right? If you can do uh, this vision without God, it's not vision, it's a project. Sometimes the problem that we keep running into is not a vision problem, it's just a priority problem. So, so, or if you just prioritize the, the right things and stop prioritizing some of the wrong things, things would work. You know what I'm saying? So, so like, like not, every, not every financial thing is like, like, God, I just need to have a vision. It's like, no, you need to prioritize some stuff. You need to stop, you know, like, going on Amazon shopping sprees, right? Every time that deal of the day shows up, you got to get it, right? Um, yeah, some of you, some of you know, um, like, like you, I don't need a $13 coffee every day, right? Like whatever, whatever that might be. I, I don't have a vision problem. I have a priority problem. And if I shifted my priorities, things would be different. A vision, however, is something that you cannot do without God. You cannot do without God moving in that. A vision has to be vast. Let me show you this from God's word. Uh, in the book of Genesis, God comes to Abraham, the father of our faith, who if you remember, Abraham has no children. And in fact, not only does Abraham have no children, but Abraham's wife is, is too old to bear children. And God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 with a vision. Uh, and in, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, uh, here's what this says. Okay, it says this. It says, then the Lord took Abram, 
outside. Let, let, let me just stop there for a minute. I, I love this because uh, most often when God gives you a vision, God is going to take you outside of what is comfortable for you. Okay, so, so God takes Abraham. God's like, look, I'm going to get you outside of what you is common, what is known to you, about what, what just is, fits so easily and nicely into your box. And here's what, here's what he says. Listen to this. Remember the kind of person he's talking to. God says to him, look up at the sky and do this impossible thing. Count all the stars. I love that. And then God kind of jokes with him, right? He's like, well, if you can, right? Like, count all the stars if that's even possible. <laughs> Good luck, right? I know them all, but can you look up at the stars, Abraham, and count them if you can. And, and he says, that's how many descendants that you will have. He says this to a man with no children whose wife can't have any, at least not, 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 not by man's doing. A vision must be vast. It must require for God to move in order to even be possible, which means then that vision requires faith. Vision requires a trust in God that says, there is no way that I could make this happen, but God, you can. This thing, God, that I'm seeing, this is impossible for me, but God, I believe that this is possible for you, right? That, that this is, God, you can. There's no way that I can do something about this diagnosis, but God, I know that you can. God, there is no way that I can restore this brokenness, this broken relationship, this broken family, whatever, but I believe, God, that you can. There's no way that I could start this ministry. There's no way that I could reach these people. There's no way, God, but I believe, God, that you can and that all things are possible with you for him who believes. Abraham is called the father of our faith. It says that God gave him this crazy, incredible, vast vision and Abraham believed God. Remember something else here. It took Abraham 25 years for this vision to come to pass. 25 years Abraham held on to this vision from God that he gave. And so why is it good to write down God's vision? Because how many of you know that as time passes, vision fades, hope fades, excitement fades, anticipation fades until ultimately there's nothing left. Do you know that, that, generally speaking, the best time to kill something is early on? It's in the beginning. It's when it's small. It's in its infancy stage. This is what happened to Moses. This was his doing. This is what happened in, around Jesus. Remember this? The Caesar, he, he declares, he says, listen, kill all of the infant boys that are to, age of two and under. Kill them all. Get, get them when they're small, right? He was willing to take out everybody, in that, in that age range, so that this one kid would not become a king. A vision needs a vessel. It needs to be visible. It needs to be vast. But that, that vision has to live. That, that vision needs to be something that we walk in, not by sight, but by faith. And, and if we can take God as his word, and if we have that and we can hold on to that, then we can walk in that, though the things around us don't look like that, though things are coming against us, though it's hard, though there's reasons to give up and quit, God continues to call us forward. Here's the fourth thing. You can write this last one down. Vision is a verb. Vision is a verb. A, a vision that doesn't have movement is not vision, Okay. 
A vision is something that, that, yes, exists in your mind, but it also exists in your practice. It's walked out. A vision is not meant to be something that you get in your vessel, and then you just sort of wait for God to make it happen, okay? Like, like a vision is supposed to cause you to start moving in its direction. A vision is a partnership that God makes with you, where God is going to always be faithful to do his part, but God is not going to do yours for you. I, I remember this story of a pastor who was, had sat down, there was a young guy who came to him and, and uh, was super excited about his vision and, and, and he knew where he was going and, and God was, he was going to be a missionary and God was calling him to the, to the nations and everything else. And, and he's like, what do you think? And the pastor's like, I just got one question for you. He's like, yeah, what's that? He's like, do you have a passport? And he's like, no. He's like, well, then you're not going to be a missionary. And, and, and he was just trying to, he's like, look, if you have a vision, there's got to be some work that goes into the vision for you to move in the direction of the thing. If that might not even happen today, but you're moving in its direction. There has to be action. Remember our, our guy, Abraham, he, he was only able to see what God had for him uh, because, uh, or he was able, because when God called him uh, in Genesis chapter 12, when God said, listen, I want you to get up and I want you to go to a land that I will show you, not that you've seen, not that you know. I, I want you to get up and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you as you go, right? Abraham, it says he got up, he got his family, he got his stuff, and he started moving in its direction. When God gives you a vision, there are steps for you to take. And you might not know every step, but you can start to move. God will give you, he'll give you a vision. But, but really vision culminates, you could say in a sense here, God, that culminates in this one word, obedience. That, that, that vision requires obedience. God says to Abraham uh, in response to his obedience, listen to this, Genesis 22 verse 18. He says, through your offspring, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So like, here's a guy, he didn't have any kids. God gives him a vision, vast. You're gonna have like descendants as numerous as the stars. Okay, and God's word to him in that is like, listen, like all, not, not just descendants for you, but the nations are going to be blessed because you obeyed me. You know what happens when we obey the Lord and his vision for us? Blessing happens. Blessing happens. And when I say blessing, I'm not talking about stuff, okay? So, so often we think about blessing as stuff, right? Like I, I got this great thing I, and I got this house, I got this new car, I got the, let me Instagram that, hashtag blessed, you know? Um, right? I, I, I'm not necessarily talking about stuff, okay? But God might give you some things and that, that might be a blessing. But when, when I'm saying blessing here, when scripture is usually talking about blessing, it's talking about the fruit of God in and through your life. It's talking about this thing that changes and transforms you and that brings about kingdom transformation for others. Vision is a verb because vision takes action. It requires movement because God has a plan to bring about blessing in and through your life. So vision is essential because vision gives you clarity. But vision needs willing and available vessels. Vision needs to be visible. Vision needs to be something that you could put down and you hold on to. Vision, right? Vision needs to be vast. Vision needs to be something that, God, this is only going to happen if you're in it. If this is you, this is bigger than me by myself. And vision 
is a verb. Vision requires my movement, my action. I'm going to have Noel and the team come back up. I'm going to just close us here by, by sharing just a bit about for us as a church. So I want to I just share here at the end about our vision um, for 2020 and beyond here at the edge. Most of you guys know this in the room, but, but some of you don't. That uh, Every year since we started as a church, uh, our elders, our, our leaders have gone away uh, in the beginning of every single year simply to seek the face of God, to, to fast, to pray, um, to, to ask the Lord on behalf of our church, to ask God what's on his heart, to ask God for fresh vision for a new year, uh, to ask God what he wants us to be devoting our time and energy and, and effort uh, to. Uh, and then we write that down, literally. We, we write that down, we share that, we make that visible. Uh, and, and pretty much every year, there's also kind of a word that sums up for us what, what we're, where we're going or, or what that's about or, or the direction we're headed. If you remember uh, from 2019, our word was reset. We, we spent a whole year on reset, that, that God wanted just to reestablish us, to, to realign us, right? To, to get us back to some of the fun, basic fundamentals of our faith. And so we spent most of the year just walking through the great uh, commandment and the great commission. We're being reminded that our first place is to love God with our all, to love others uh, like he loves us, and to be about the gospel, right? To be about his mission. And ultimately then this past year propelled us into this year, um, whoa. Uh, and so re- really, if we were picking a word to sum up this year for us, last year was reset. This year, our, our one simple word is just this word, go. It, yeah, it, it's this word, go. Last year was about being positioned. This year is about movement for us. And even beyond that. And so here's what I want to do. I want to just uh, share with you our vision statement. Um, because if you remember, vision is, is something that has a specific goal in mind. Uh, vision is something that has a, a time period, a time that you're looking at, and it causes you, it forces you to lean into your mission. And so here's our vision statement. Uh, the Edge Church will reach the lost and the marginalized with the gospel through its members, doubling its membership by 2023. So this is a five-year goal or five-year, three-year goal that, that we have, uh, but five key words here. You see those at the bottom. It, it, we're going to spend some time over the next a couple months sort of unpacking and walking through this, but there's five key words here that, that we're saying, look, we're going to give our attention and focus our energy on. Uh, we're going to be about the gospel. Okay, like, like because the gospel is the first thing. And, and so the gospel is going to drive every single thing we do. The gospel is what we're going to lean into. So, so we want to be a people of the gospel, a people who know the good news of Jesus and a people who can share that good news, who, who know our story of how Jesus saved us. And maybe if you're here in this room and you haven't received that yet, then the gospel is for you first. So we're going to be about the gospel. We're going to be about growth. Sometimes that scares people, but, but, but I'll say this, that uh, wherever there is, the scripture shows this, that wherever there's gospel root, there's gospel fruit. Like, like the, the gospel produces growth. Uh, in Acts, it talks about this, that, that where it just says, listen, when, when the people of God were gathered about the, uh, God's business, when they were doing this work of the gospel, that the church had said that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, so, so like what happens when the gospel, it, the people of God lean into the gospel of God is that growth happens. And, and so we're, we're, not, we're not like aiming for growth. We're aiming at the gospel and believing for growth. Are you with me? 
Okay, we're going to talk about members. We believe that, notice here it says that through the members. We're the vessels. We're all ministers in this room. That's what we're saying. We all have a role to play. This is for everybody. Everybody's invited into making this vision happen. It's the flying V, okay? And all of us have a part in that. But we believe that not only does God invite people to a father, but he invites them into a family. And so we want to know what that is and what that, how, how do we walk in that? How do we hold that? What, is that? what does that mean for us as the people of God? We're going to be about the lost, right? But like Jesus said that he came to seek and save those who were lost. We, we want to be about the same thing. We, we want to be about that same work. We, we, we want to reach people. Like, like we say, look, I'm happy when people show up here because they need a home. They move somewhere and they, and they, they need a church home. They, 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 they were in a place that wasn't good for them and they make this their church home. But we, we don't want to just grow because people just come from somewhere else. We want to grow because people, the gospel is going forth, because people are being saved, right? And, and so, so we, we want to reach people who don't know Jesus, who haven't received the grace of Jesus, the love of Jesus the truth of Jesus for their lives. And, and, and that last word, the marginalized, we want to be a people. God, man, God has a heart for the broken. God has a heart for the, for the oppressed. God has a heart for the vulnerable. We want to have that same heart. So we want to be a people. We want to be a church who sees those people and reaches those people and loves those people and cares for those people. And, and so, so this is where we're moving, okay? This vision needs vessels. That's us. Okay, like I said, this vision, it ain't going to happen if nobody's a part of, of, of what it is. If nobody's sharing the gospel, if nobody's reaching out, if nobody's loving the oppressed, like, like that doesn't happen. It needs a vessel. It, the vision needs vessels, right? A vision needs to be visible. That's why we put it down. So, so we don't get distressed. So we remember what we're about and we can lean into that a little bit. We can be like, no, no, no. Like, here's where we're going. Here's what we're after. Here's what, here, here's what we believe that God's, where God's taking us and where he's moving us, Right? A vision needs to be vast. I'll tell you this. You ever make a vision that leans in the gospel, God's got to do something. Okay? Because one thing is true about the gospel is me and you can save no one. We have zero ability to save somebody. We have zero ability for, to move somebody from death unto life, eternal life. That is a work of God and the Holy Spirit. And so, man, this vision, is it vast? Yeah, yeah, because we're saying like, man, God, you have to do something that we cannot do in and of ourselves. And that ought to cause us to pray. That ought to cause us to seek God. That ought to cause us to come together and seek his face. That ought to cause us to cry out to God, God, we need you to move. And ultimately, like I said, vision is a verb. So this vision is about going. It's about movement. It's about action. And there's going to be all different kinds of ways for you to engage in this. I already mentioned one. We have a membership class coming up on the 22nd of March. We also have a gospel training coming up on the 24th of March, that Tuesday night. Uh, I think that's in your announcement handout as well. Come be a part of that. Learn about the gospel. Learn about how to share the gospel. Learn, learn about how the gospel is meant to go from you. But like, we want to get good at this and be a people who share Jesus with anybody and everybody, with the people that God has put in our path and in our life. Because we want people to know him. Because it's all about him. It's all about him. If you guys would stand with me, I'm going to close this in prayer. And, and as I said, over the course of the next 
couple months anyways, we're, we're going to really sort of be unpacking all of this to you. So if you read that and you're just like, man, what does this exactly mean? And how does this work? Don't worry, type A people. Okay. Like, like we're, we're going to piece this out for you. And we're going to talk about why it matters and the heart behind it. But I just want to put that in front of you. So if nothing else, that, that you can take that and you can begin to pray too. And you can begin to ask God how he might have you be a part of this vision, of this gospel mission. Like, how is God inviting you to move in that? So that God can do the work, that God can fulfill his plan for this church. Man, that's something for all of us. Let's pray. God, thanks for this morning. God, thank you for your people. God, thank you for the blessing that it is God, to gather with brothers and sisters. God, to seek your face. God, to lift up your name. God, to hear your word. God, to just be ministered to by you and by the people around us. God, how good that is. Father, I thank you that, that you are a God who speaks. God, that you have a purpose and a plan, that you have a vision, not only for every single person in this room, but a vision for us together. God, I pray that you, by your spirit, Lord, would reveal that to us, that you would minister that in us, and God, that we would be willing vessels, a people who are willing to say yes to what you say, a people, God, who are willing to be just available for you, and how you want to use us, God, how you want to minister, how you want to speak, how you want to move, God. God, I pray that even as we go today and through this week, uh, Lord, that in our time with you, God, that we would uh, take time to listen. God, that we wouldn't just take time to tell you about things, but we take time to listen. God, we'd allow you to minister and speak to us. God, that we'd even ask you what it is that's on your heart and not just share what's on ours. God, to ask you what you want and not just tell you about what we think we need. God, we love you this morning. God, thank you for being so good to us. God, I pray for a vision. I pray for a vision for every single individual in this room. I pray for a vision for marriages. I pray for a vision for families, God. I pray for your vision for this place, this body, this church. And God, that we would walk in what you have for us. Lord, we love you. We bless you this morning. And we worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen.